The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Smallville Gazette, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. Poppy Chulo Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Wednesday, March 24th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's Superman and Lois. Please welcome my co-host, Professor X. Hello, Smallville, where apparently you celebrate your Harvest Festival in March? I know. Well, this was supposed to air in the fall, so it's a... COVID quince. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 5, which was titled The Best of Smallville and aired March 23rd, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. As Smallville celebrates its first Harvest Festival since Martha's passing, Clark is reminded what his mother meant to him and learns a lesson that will help him move past her death. Meanwhile, Lois makes a breakthrough in the investigation of Morgan Edge. Kyle, <clears throat> excuse me, Kyle tries to reconnect with Lana, but it seems like he might be falling back into his old ways. I will say whoever wrote this one, that's, it's an interesting press release, uh, Okay, let's check in on the ratings for Season 1, Episode 5. Superman and Lois, it had its, what they're calling, some sites are calling its winter finale, some sites are calling its spring finale. It's going on a break, y'all. More on that later. But uh, it had its final episode before the break. Um, It it had uh, 1.21 total viewers, 1.21 million total viewers with a point two in the demo. It was steady all around, which is a good sign. Okay, so we are going into a hiatus. This is, in essence, uh, it's it's a break episode. It's, you know, ideally you have an episode that leaves you kind of like, whoa. I will say it left me a little whoa at the end of the episode. So uh, we'll talk about that as, when we get to that. But first off, I want to talk about the flashback story. Because there is a parallel with what's going on in the present in Smallville. And so I want to tackle both uh, parallels um, together. So we get an extended flashback throughout the episode of young Clark, teenage Clark, with Martha, Smallville. He's uh, a vigilante, uh, you know, bringing justice to the streets of, uh, you know, (laughs) of, you know, small town, Smallville, USA. And Martha is clearly pressed about that. Uh, they get into an argument. You know, I wasn't sent here to be Martha Kent's son, which I guess, you know, is, is, a, is the kind of stinger that a 16-year-old will give his parent. And so Martha decides to give him the crystal from the ship. You know, you need to learn more about yourself. And at the end of it all, I don't think this was immediately after that. I think this is probably once he has graduated high school, she kind of sends him off from Smallville. You know, you are destined to do greater things. You shouldn't be, in essence, stuck here 
in Smallville. You need to um, spread your wings and fly. In the present day, we have Jonathan playing the role of uh, Clark in the past. And uh, stuff that had been sort of boiling with Jonathan kind of, you know, just erupts in this episode. First off, he gets dumped by his girlfriend, the whole distance situation. And, uh, you know, he has this idea to, like, move back to Metropolis because he's unhappy there because, you know, everything that he had in Metropolis was taken away. The football, the popularity, the girlfriend, etc. And uh, Clark and Lois are like, no, basically about his idea of moving into the city. Um, he then screams in typical teenage fashion, Smallville is my kryptonite. And then he ends up getting drunk at the Harvest Festival. He ends up getting caught because, hello, Clark, Superman, Super Smell. And instead of getting punished, Clark uh, allows him a get-out-of-jail-free card, and, and he makes a deal with him. If, um, you know, let him, you know, give Smallville a chance for, you know, a little while longer. And if you still don't feel like this is the place for you, you know, we can talk about another situation. So, let's talk about this, Professor, because there was a clear, it was supposed to parallel. I don't know what the press release was saying about a lesson of this, that, or the other to move past her death, but um, th this was a lesson that he needed as far as parenting. What did you think of the flashback, and what did you think of how it paralleled with uh, Jonathan in the present? I thought it worked very, very well, partially because the uh, the the flashbacks were really well directed. The transitions from Clark in the present to the flashbacks always worked beautifully. He was always in a room where something would set him off, you know, that memory. And you got a real sense, again, uh, Tyler Hecklin had been playing the hell out of uh, of Clark uh, in the show so far. You got a real sense of, of a guilt that he feels towards his mom for what he said and what he did and, and leaving never to come back. I mean, obviously he came back for visits, but he never came back to Smallville. And, you know, part of, you know, we've talked about the idea that, you know, people from small towns uh, often end up leaving the small town to, uh, to pursue their dreams and, and never come back except, you know, to visit the family at holidays and stuff like that. So I thought the the flashbacks were really great. I thought the actress who played Martha was was fabulous. Uh, you know, uh, very nuanced, and even you know the the youngster was playing Clark. You know, you got a great parallel uh, between him and uh, and Jonathan. You know, Jonathan was saying, you know, uh, he was angry. He was lashing out in exactly the same way Clark did. Uh, so I think that you know allowed Clark to realize what Jonathan is going through. The same sense of of restriction and, and stifling that he felt is what Jonathan's going through. Uh, I thought that was great and you know and that led of course to jonathan acting out you know drinking with the guys and uh you know uh you know getting in trouble uh but i did like the fact that you know uh clark gave him you know the you get you know get the one jet get out of jail free card and you know particularly delightful was lois's reaction like what what are you, you we did not clear this uh which was great as well but, you know, him, you know, and as he said, look, I, I know what you're going through. And, you know, Jonathan at the time just wouldn't listen. But at the end of it, you know, uh, you know, Jonathan was chastened. He realized he'd made a mistake. He apologized. He manned up. He, you know, he did apologize. And you can see how a lot of, you know, teenage characters on other shows wouldn't have done that. Uh, and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, Clark giving him, you know, the box and the box is the gift because it was something that his grandfather gave to his his uh, his grandmother. His grandmother gave to Clark and now Clark is giving it to Jonathan. Um, 
I, I thought the, the parallel between them worked really well. And, and Clark remembering, you know, being in the house and, and going through all those memories, uh, you know, him realizing the parallel uh, between his life and, uh, and Jonathan's. Jonathan wanting something more, not wanting to be stuck in Smallville, just like Clark did. So I thought the parallel between them really, really worked well. I agree with you. I, I really like the story. I wasn't sure what they were doing with it because it was kind of strange to see Clark the rebellious years because we're so used to Superman being just so good all the time. And I mean, he was a teenager, so clearly he's going to do teenagey things. And he was, man, that burn from Martha, you know, I was not sent here to be your child. I was like, (laughs) you do not tell that to a parent. And, uh, but it was, it was played spectacularly well. Um, yeah. And, and Jonathan, as well, like it was teenage drama, but it was something that was kind of simmering the past couple episodes. And I know that I always referenced it, and I was like, I felt, I felt like we were going to get some sort of payoff with that, and we did. And it wasn't done once again in a typical CW kind of way. It was something where he, you know, he had his outburst. He immediately realized he fucked up. Um, he apologized, and uh, you know, this it was contained in this episode. For the most part, it was not something that could have been dragged out and and that sort of thing, which is typical CW fashion. They were able to contain it in this episode, and there was some sort of resolution by the end of it, which was nice. Uh, I felt like it was handled appropriately, and it was a a great moment for Clark as well. I know that Lois called him like a softie or whatever at the end of it for not punishing Jonathan, but I think it was a moment of parenting growth. Like, we've seen Clark fumble a little bit uh, as far as just being a parent and uh, really being able to um, to communicate with his kids and that sort of thing. Uh, and I think this was a win for him. It was, uh, since this is a show that deals with football, it was a touchdown. And uh, I liked it. So, let's talk about drunk... Jonathan, because that leads us into Sarah's storyline in this episode. So, in the episode, um, we'll we'll talk about both storylines for Sarah. So, at the start of the episode, right before Jonathan gets dumped, we had Jordan get his first ever date. Sarah asks him to go to the Harvest Festival with her. He um, doesn't really know how to react, so Jonathan sort of steps in and is like, yeah, he'll go with you. And so it's Jordan's big date with Sarah. Sarah is getting ready to go to the Harvest Festival, and his dad, her dad shows up drunk. And, um, you know, Lana gets into it with him, like, really, you're drinking? Now, he does have an excuse. One of his firemen uh, was in an accident, and it looks like it's it's one of those life-threatening, life-changing type of accidents. So he was, um, let's say he he was in a dark place already, and so he started drinking. He drank a little bit too much, and... Um, you know, so so Sarah's like, you know, go, I'll handle him. It looks like it's something that she has done in the past based off of her reaction to him. And that kind of triggers her for the rest of the night. She shows up late to the date. Um, and then Jonathan ends up getting drunk and he starts sort of harassing them. And that triggers her and that kind of ruins the entire date. And she ends up bailing 
later on, she apologizes to Jordan, and she basically tells him, you know, I know that I asked you on a date, but to be quite honest, I'm, I really don't need that right now. What I need is a friend. And uh, he ends up accepting the friendship. So let's talk about this, because number one, hell, I mean, that final moment with them together was hella mature, especially for them being 14-year-olds, you know, in, in high school and that sort of thing. I was like, man, like props to the writers, because they wrote an incredibly mature bit of dialogue for these uh, teens, um, because I feel like a typical teen would, you know, fake along with the relationship instead of really understanding that maybe at that point they just need a friend. So that was awesome. We got a, a glimpse of the darker side of Kyle in this episode, which is interesting because we also saw the softer side of Kyle in this episode. In this episode, we really saw him uh, really try to be a, a, a man of the community, try to be supportive of his community. And, and uh, you know, we've seen other sides of him in previous episodes, you know, the side where he's very pro-Morgan Edge, where he's incredibly defensive of Smallville and dismissive of other people and, and their ideas for how to deal with Smallville. Um, so we got a lot of different sides of Kyle over the past five episodes, and this one was interesting. So, Professor, what did you think of the, the, different, um, the different lives of Sarah in this episode, her family life and her friendship life? Yeah, uh, again, uh, you know, uh, wonderful. I've mentioned before, you know, one of the things I'm loving about uh, Superman and Lois is nuance in the characters. Uh, you know, we're not getting sort of, you know, stock characters, mustache twirling villains, you know, uh, perfect heroes or anything like that. There's nuance even to the minor characters. Uh, and we got a lot of that, you know, in, in the case of Sarah, we got, you know, her sort of awkwardly asking Jordan out. Uh, we got her, you know, with uh, with her mom, you know, basically, you know, staying behind to take care of her dad, you know, and bring him a sandwich and a glass of water. Uh, and then, you know, uh, again, the nuance for Kyle, you know, him realizing that he's, you know, a disappointment in his daughter's eyes, him talking about the song he used to sing her, uh, and then her going off and, uh, you know, um, just the whole everything between her and Jordan was tremendous. Uh, you know, uh, them talking, uh, being interrupted by Jonathan. She lashes out in an entirely understandable way because she's dealing with, you know, the problems at home and sees him as, you know, having that perfect home life. So she lashes out at him and the drunken friends, as you would in that situation. Uh, and then, you know, that closing scene with her and Jordan was just Beautiful. I mean, wow. Those two kids are fantastic. Uh, very mature. And I like the fact that they're not rushing into uh, a relationship, uh, assuming they're going to go that route, you know, um, you know, when I think probably they are. But I think it would be a mistake if they did, because, you know, in terms of, you know, show story time, uh, you know, Sarah just broke up with her boyfriend. A few weeks ago. So for her mm -hmm. to get immediately into a relationship would call into question how serious this relationship was. It would make it seem like it was just a rebound. Um, I think the fact that they are pumping the brakes, slowing the roll, uh, allowing Jordan to be there as a friend and just, you know, the great dynamic that they have, the way that, you know, the writing, you know, the, the, they had the callback. You know, friends will still get to hang out together. I believe that is what it means. You know, calling back to her, you know, earlier and, you know, saying that is what, you know, going together means uh, was really nicely done. Uh, the, the two kids just, uh, again, have great chemistry. Um, one thing, I, you know, it was funny. I, you know, I, I watched the episode twice. And the second time I scrubbed back to like, I want to see who cast this show because the casting is so darn good. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 
I think we can both agree that we were worried about the teens on the show, you know, especially when it was announced that, you know, they, they had aged up uh, Lois and Clark's kids. And so it's like the teen aspect and that we were going to have to deal with other teens outside of just, you know, the, the Kent kids. And uh, man, like the, the teens have been really good and the writing has been incredibly sharp for them. The acting has been on point and they've been really mature in, in a weird sort of way. And it's, it's, it's something that we keep on saying every week. And I think it's just that we're so surprised because we've dealt with teens on other CW shows and they aren't typically this well adjusted. And I know that they have their problems and uh, you know, it, they, they still have their problems and they will lash out as teens do on occasion. But for the most part, they are written that they're so, it seems as if they're so well adjusted, even though they're dealing with like anxiety and, and, and depression and all this kind of stuff. They seem incredibly, you know, well astute for ACW show and and it's and it's it's i just i almost can't believe it sometimes when i'm watching it and, just and it, it's fantastic. not it's not their mm-hmm. one note perfect kids they have their moments of lashing out you know everyone gets their moment where they they misbehave and but they they you know they are mature enough that in every case you know they realize they've made a mistake and they apologize even in this episode you know at the end of it when uh when sarah and jordan are together uh sarah makes sure to say apologize to jonathan for you know uh what i said true uh you know and it shows that you know these are you know mature well-rounded kids they're not just hitting one note of the disaffected teen that is such a part of, uh, of, of not just the Arrowverse shows, but, you know, of, you know, uh, of pop cultural teens in general. True. Yeah. Let's, uh, yeah. It shouldn't just be a diss for the CW because typically teens are written in the way that we're, we've been discussing that these teens aren't written everywhere else. Like all the other shows write teens in such a, uh, very one note type of way. And, uh, these teens have, shades they have layers and and it's really nice i'm completely enjoying it so let's see um okay well i guess we should start getting into the the meat and potatoes of the episode so the episode starts off with sharon powell Let's talk about Lois, is basically what I'm saying. So Sharon Powell shows up with her son, Derek Powell. Remember Derek Powell? You know, he's missing. He left a voicemail that seemed kind of worried and scared, and this isn't what I signed up for. Well, he's fine and dandy. Turns out he had, uh, there was some cockamamie story of, uh, you know, he was, bumped on the head and they found him and amnesia and it's very soap opery and uh both Lois and Chrissy kind of, you know, see through the charade and uh you know they start asking questions. Chrissy is hella aggro about it. And when they leave she's like, Was I being Lois Lane? And she, Lois is like, Yeah. And uh, they both agree that there is something fishy here, you know, that there's clearly more to the story because things just weren't adding up. And uh, Sharon, you know, had insisted that there was nothing else, that she's just fine, that she has her son. She has her son back. Something to note, she tries to, like, hold his hand at a certain point, and he kind of winces. So, um, clearly, something is off with 
Derek, and then later on, uh, because apparently a part of this harvest festival is you donate stuff, and then people take the stuff that they need, and that sort of thing. It's a very uh, pleasant villain type of situation. When I was listening to it, I was like, is this stuff people actually do? But it was nice. I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. But uh, as they're dropping stuff off at the harvest festival... Um, we have Derek have a headache. He ends up calling a familiar somebody. And then his eyes go, bzz. His voice also changes, which uh, we should make notes of that as well. And he sets fire to uh, the building, and it's a whole situation. Um, Clark does end up showing up. Not as Superman, though, just as Super Speedy Clark, and ends up using his um, his uh, breath uh, to uh, s- put out the fire and saves the day and that sort of thing. Uh, okay, so uh, as we follow Derek, someone else is following Derek, and that is Chrissy. Chrissy catches Derek because she does a whole thing on um, on Sharon's phone because he ends up going missing and this, that, or the other. Lois gets up intel that he was there at the, um, the, the center doing the donations and that sort of thing. And so Chrissy ends up following his phone, tracking him, and uh, finds him at this shady warehouse type of thing with an alley. Uh, and he's making out in that alley with bum 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 Leslie Lar, a.k.a. Morgan Edge's assistant so they go into the building she puts him into a machine where she's like don't worry you'll be fine this will fix everything and uh leslie you know ends up calling lois she's like she put him in a frankenstein machine and so superman shows up fights the guy well he also notices that the machine has some weird crystals he's like what is this he ends up fighting the guy they end up flying everywhere he's got powers of flight and everything he ends up telling superman you know he resurrected me kal-el you're not alone anymore they get into a fight you know silos get busted cornfields and all that kind of stuff get ruined and damaged while all that's going on we do have um captain luther following them we're going to talk about captain luther separately but at this point i need to mention him because he shoots something into the air it ends up knocking Derek, and, uh, yeah, and, and he hits the ground, uh, um, Superman gets close to him, and he's like, you know, I, we, I can help, and Derek is basically like, I'm already dead, and he blows up. All right. I have a theory as to what's going on here, kind of, ish, um, maybe, uh, I read a couple of different theories online, and I'm just sort of combining them because I think it, the combination makes the most sense. I feel like whatever that X kryptonite is, I think it's somehow maybe resurrecting the souls or the aura of actual Kryptonians, I think, but I don't know how that would work. Um, and I don't know if that's any, anything in regards to Superman comic book canon but his line of resurrection you're not alone anymore and the fact that he knew superman's name of kal-el seems hella suspect to me and the fact that also his voice changes whenever he's talking like that so it seems like he's being possessed maybe by 
Kryptonians or something, or a Kryptonian. I don't know. Maybe that's just way too far off for this very grounded show, but that's the only thing that I could think of, Professor. What, what's your take on Derek and what's going on here? Yeah, it does seem a little far-fetched, um, you know, because, you know, again, we're talking about a show in which, you know, a guy dresses in tights and, and flies around saving the world, but it has been surprisingly grounded. Um, and, and I think, you know, introducing the idea of Kryptonian souls might be a step too far. On the other hand, uh, if it was just that the ex-Kryptonite was giving him powers, because you, you could argue that, you know, he just, he got his powers back. Maybe he was badly injured and the ex-Kryptonite saved him. That could have been what he was thinking of as his re- resurrection. Or indeed, maybe it did bring him back from the dead. Um, but, you know, and his argument that you're not alone anymore could just mean that there's going to be more essentially pseudo-Kryptonians out there. But calling him Kal-El was an interesting choice. On the other hand, if it was the soul of a Kryptonian, how would they have known who Kal-El was? Uh, you know, I, I'm assuming that Superman on this world, you know, it's known these Kryptonian. They probably all know about his Kryptonian heritage. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the the soul thing might be a stretch, but who knows? Um, as for uh, the rest of the stuff with Derek, I did find myself uh, very much fearing uh, when they had the scene with uh, uh, with them going in. They cut back to someone watching mysteriously from a car, and I realized it was Chrissy. I was convinced, oh, my God, Chrissy's going to die. I um, know, I just thought to myself, right? I was absolutely so convinced. I'm so glad it didn't happen because, again, great casting. She was tremendous in this episode. You know, you know when she calls Lois. So I asked myself, WWLLD, what would Lois Lane do? Um, you know, uh, just, you know, the idea that, you know, this 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 small town journalist who never thought anything like this would happen is really getting, you know, her, you know, her her mojo uh, is rising because she realizes there's a big story here and something's going on and she wants to know what it is. And, you know, she is, uh, you know, slightly taking risks, but, you know, she is has been inspired by Lois to to do this. Um, so I'm very, very glad nothing bad happened to uh, to Chrissy. I think she's she's tremendous. She's not just comic relief. You know, she's smart. She's capable. And, you know, even when, you know, that scene where she got the uh, uh, the phone away from uh, from Sharon and, you know, basically covered, uh, you know, what she was doing with. Yeah, those phone companies, they're they're the worst, aren't they? I just wanted to vent. Uh, brilliant. Um yeah, so I don't know. I think it's, it's obvious that the the uh, the ex kryptonite is giving them powers, and you know, it's possible maybe Jonathan doesn't have his powers uh, because of uh, of being Superman's son. Maybe it's just that he was exposed to some ex kryptonite, you know, when they got to Smallville. Who knows? Um, but I, I think it's that seems a little, you know, he hadn't been exposed in any significant way. Um, so I don't know whether that's the case. But uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it does at least now, uh, you know. We, we are in a situation where, you know, in terms of moving the story forward, uh, Superman is aware that there are these weird crystals and they're obviously giving him the powers and stuff like that. Uh, and he has seen Morgan Edge's assistant was there. Uh, so, you know, when we do come back from our interminable break, uh, you know, um, it should be possible to move things forward uh, a little better. Uh, but again, I, I, I really did like the fight, uh, the flight slash fight scene. Uh, between Derek and Superman because, you know, on the one hand, you know, Derek's trying to get away and, you know, setting fires, things, stuff like that. And even though Superman is chasing him, he's still pausing to put out the fires and minimize mm-hmm. the property damage. And and again, that just shows that this is who Superman is. You know, he's not someone who, you know, is going to, you know, ignore the collateral damage. Uh, you know, are you paying attention, Zack Snyder, uh, while going after the bad guy? He is, you know, someone who is is concerned about those things. And he's someone who is, you know, talented enough and, and, and powerful enough to be able to do both. And even there, after all that and the explosion, what he did was, you know, he's saying to Derek, hey, I can help you. 
uh, you know, he's still trying to reach out to him and, and save him. Uh, before he uh, he essentially immolates. So uh, yeah, really good. And and again, I've, I've said before, I don't know that this show really needs it. It almost feels a little gratuitous that they have the the one superhero fight scene. It was a great scene, and I think all the superhero fight scenes that they had have been really good. I don't know that they need it. I think the show is so solid. Uh, on the basis of the acting and the character work that maybe it doesn't need it as much, uh, but they've all been very good and very cinematic. Yeah, that's very true. I, I thought the only superheroics that we were going to get in this episode was, to be quite honest, what we saw on the TV in the episode. Very early on in the episode, we saw Superman save the day, and I was like, okay, if this is it, you know, because we're going to be in Smallville, we're going to be focusing on the Harvest Festival. I'm kind of cool with that just being the superheroic of the day. And we also got a little Chiron that said, you know, more Superman action worldwide and that sort of thing. So I was like, okay, Clark has been doing his thing. But we got this one, and uh, I did enjoy it, though. Um, it, it was awesome. I was very worried for Chrissy as well. I was like, they can't kill her, though. Like, it's only episode five. Like, I hope, you know, I don't want her to die. At least not yet. But, um, I mean, I don't have anything against her. I, you know, so I was like, they can't do it. Uh, they can't do that. Like, but I was very worried for her because she was poking her head through the glass and, and, and or up to the glass. And I'm like, it's, it's very noticeable that someone is there. But, um, Leslie was very much focused on her paramours, um, situation to notice that. What I thought was interesting that I don't think, well, no, he wouldn't. Have, well, yes, he should know her because Morgan edge and Morgan Edge works for, uh, well, yeah, well, she already knew. Uh, well, yeah, Chrissy says that Leslie R. was there. So I guess Clark didn't have to, you know, just back up that Leslie R. was there. So, okay, so I just answered my own question. Um, this entire storyline is fascinating. I don't know what Morgan Edge is doing, uh, whether he's doing this for a particular reason. Um, if there's the whole possession thing, uh, you know, has he been inspired by the Kryptonians or something? Uh, we did have that tiny little scene in a previous episode that we never discussed just cause it was so tiny where we got a flashback of Morgan edge uh, as a military person. It looked like, and, uh, there were like, um, meteors landing on the ground and I'm assuming that's maybe where he first found the ex-kryptonite potentially that's how he got fascinated by it I don't know um, we, we need answers to this but uh, I'm enjoying the, the bit of a slow burn that we're getting with this Morgan Edge storyline um, because it's, it's really interesting so uh, moving on let's see well you know let's talk about him Let's talk about the captain. Oh, captain, my captain. We got a lot of Captain Luther in this episode. We haven't seen him since episode two. So uh, we definitely got a big dose of him in this episode. Uh, we see that he has tracked Lois Lane to Smallville. And as he said, on this earth, wherever Lois Lane goes, Superman seems to be there as well. He actually approaches her. The, the night of uh, the fire and uh, the, the thing that happened at uh, the center where the donations were being dropped off, he approaches her as a former Luther Corp uh, employee who has turned into a Reuters technology reporter. And uh, he talks about Morgan Edge, and he, he seems to know a way to get into uh, his mine. You know, it's kind of a little shady, but um, she's like, you know, we'll... You know, whenever, if you can, 
if you get access to it, here's my number, this, that, or the other. And uh, as, as I mentioned, we see him tracking Superman and the other super in the air. And uh, I don't know what he was trying to do with uh, the explosive that he threw up in the sky. I don't know what he thought was going to happen. But whatever he thought was going to happen, I guess, didn't happen. And then at the end, we get a bombshell. I kind of suspected this, but it was a bombshell. Nonetheless, we get a flashback, and we find out that Captain Luther was married to Lois Lane on his Earth, which is why he had that connection with Sam Lane in the other flashback that we saw way back in episode two. Um, so yeah, so he's like, he's telling his AI, you know, she's the same, you know, she is just like my Lois, except she married another guy here on this earth. Uh, I don't think it seems as if he does not know that Clark is Superman, maybe. Uh, so maybe on his earth, uh, Superman didn't have the Clark Kent persona. He was just the evil Superman that we saw. Um, or kept it hidden. Or that too, as well. Um, so, so there is that. For me, and, and this is something that I, I think I said way back in episode two, but I think this episode, for me, cemented the fact that by the end of this arc with Captain Luther, I think he's going to be an ally to Superman. I think we might get the first live-action Lex Luthor Superman uh, buddy uh, alliance. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and I think uh, in a weird way, not to try to even parallel BVS, but how in BVS it was Martha <laughs> that, you know, connected them. I think Lois will be the connection in a weird way. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think I think so. Uh, I don't know if you guys... I think the opposite. You think it's? Oh, you think they're going to be enemies? I think any chance, any chance of them having a team up will, would founder on the fact that he's always going to be looking at Lois as his Lois, uh, and therefore, you know, if he ever finds out that she's actually married to Superman, that's only going to increase his resentment. That's interesting. I think at the end of it all, we're going to get a we're going to get a team up, a friendship, a, a, a detente. Um, yeah. So, Professor, what did you think of Captain Luther? What did you think of the reveal at the end? Uh, yeah. What did you think of how he uh, inserted himself into Lois's life? What did you think of everything, Captain Luther? Uh, really good. Just something that that occurred to me that I want to, you know, just uh, stake out my ground for a, uh, a a radical prediction is that uh, Captain Luthor will undergo the X Kryptonite in order to get the power to try to kill Superman. Okay, I one hundred percent buy that. Um, and, uh, but I, I really liked it. You know, the, the, the easy familiarity he had with Lois, the fact that he could speak reporters lingo, uh, you know, talking about sharing the byline and are you trying to horn in on my story? Uh, you know, very plausible. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think it's clear he doesn't know that Clark is Superman because, um, when the AI detects 
uh, a Kal-El. Uh, he goes Kal-El in Smallville. So, I mean, it's pretty obvious he doesn't realize that uh, that uh, Clark is Superman, at least not at this point. Uh, no, he's, he's a really interesting, nuanced character. Um, I was quite surprised by the uh, the reveal uh, that he was married to Lois. And I think it, it certainly raises the stakes uh, in his case. And I think it gives him, you know, a double incentive. You know, if he does happen to find out that, you know, uh, Lois is married to Superman, he wants to kill Superman for what he did to his world. And he also wants Lois. So I think that gives him double motivation. Now, I think it's, it's entirely possible. I think I think he'll be gone by the end of the season. I think he'll be dead, not an ally, but he may get, you know, a, a heroic sacrifice uh, to uh, to balance things out. Yeah, but I don't see much chance of uh, uh, of him continuing beyond this season. OK, interesting. That is your opinion. I think they're going to team up, but that's just me. Okay, so... Before- By the way, if they mm-hmm. work together to defeat a common enemy in one episode at the end, that is not teaming up. I refuse to allow you to claim that as a victory if that happens. All right. If it happens for two episodes, then it is a team-up. Two episodes, I might allow it. All right. Well, we'll see what happens when the series returns. Uh, just a small little scene that I want to discuss before we get into the um, the cliffhanger at the end of the episode. As if the, the reveal of uh, Captain Luther uh, being married to Lois wasn't enough. Uh, so the tiny thing that I want to discuss is, uh, or I don't know if you have anything to say about it, Professor, but I just, I, I found the scene with the uh, dedication of the bench to Martha so just heartwarming. Like, we had a little bit of a tease of it with Lana earlier in the episode, where she's, like, on the phone, she's like, oh, Clark doesn't know, right? And this, that, or the other. And so there was, there was clearly machinations of something happening at the Harvest Festival. And then, you know, it looked like it was going to be postponed, because all the da- donations went up. But then uh, Morgan Edge came in with his checkbook, signed a check, and, you know, donations were all of a sudden back <laughs> or something. I guess, you know, they bought a whole bunch of stuff to for people to pick and choose from, I guess. And and so at the end of it all, there was the the bench dedication and and uh it looks like Martha always sat there and and we even saw a tender moment when Martha um you know basically allowed her baby bird to fly in the past uh, and that was the bench where she was uh, sitting at. Uh d- did you have anything to say about that scene, professor? Um did you find it as heartwarming as I did? Oh, definitely. Uh, I teared up both times I watched the episode. It was incredibly moving. And I think especially, you know, tying it in, you know, we mentioned the the parallel tracks between uh, Jonathan and Clark, realizing that that was the bench she was sitting on when she did say goodbye to Clark and he went off to uh, to pursue his new life. Uh, and I'm sure that, you know, I, I doubt that she sat on that bench every day before he went away. I'm sure that she started sitting on that bench after he went away. Uh, because it was the, you know, the, the place where she said goodbye to him. And, you know, if he ever did come back on the train, it's the place where she would meet him. So I think the, the significance of the bench to her, you know, represents that whole connection with Clark. And also, you know, as you say, there was that, that line, which, you know, seemed mysterious earlier on when, uh, when Lana was saying, you know, uh, you know, was mentioning Clark on the phone. Um, and only on second reference did I realize, second watching did I realize that she was almost certainly talking to, uh, to Lois, mm-hmm. uh, because Lois knew about it. Uh, as well. So uh, you're sitting there with the young Clark in order to really get the emotional reference to that. And it's also really sweet that, you know, she was the best of Smallville. You know, they're, they're not talking about Clark being the best of Smallville or Kyle or Lana being the best of Smallville. 
And they brought out, you know, how important she was to the community. And yeah, I found it uh, very effective and, and very moving for a character, really. You know, we saw her briefly in old woman form in the first episode. Uh, but this was the first episode where we really got to meet uh, and understand Martha and, and what she gave up uh, in, in letting Clark go away. And uh, yeah, it was, it was really, really sweet. Yeah, it was, it was nice. When, when they said the best of Smallville, and I realized that the episode... The, the title of the episode was in essence also in honor of um, Martha. I was like, wow, that was really nice. Uh, I, I liked that uh, reveal. Um, it was great to see um, how revered Martha was in, in town so much so that they honored uh, that number one, that they even referenced her, you know, at, when Lana was like giving the speech, she was like, you know, this is the first one without Martha. She was, you know, in essence, the den mother to all of us. I, I thought that was really, really nice. And it pays off something that, you know, Lana mentioned, you know, back in that first episode, the fact that, you know, Martha was always helping people out and, you know, remortgaged her home and the farm in order to to help people out who need the money, uh, you know, just just showing. And again, you know, it gives you that sense of, of why Clark is the way he is. You know, it's, it's not his Kryptonian heritage. It's his human parents that made him into Superman. Very true. Yes. 100%. And that was something that was uh, referenced in the episode that, um, you know, Superman, yes, he has powers and that sort of thing, but it really is his upbringing that, you know, shaped him to be the do-gooder that he is. Um, and another thing that was brought up in this episode that I thought was just interesting, and maybe we didn't necessarily need it, but it, it worked because it was in the flashback. Um, Martha ended up mentioning, oh, you know, Lana, you know, is she still with that Cushing boy? And I was like, okay, so, uh, you know, they might have dated uh, Clark and, and Lana, or maybe even that was his crush or, or whatever ended up happening. Um, but it seemed like immediately Lana was sort of swayed into Kyle's arms, basically. So it wasn't like it was like a big romance or that sort of thing, which makes sense as to why, uh, you know, Lana, you know, it, it isn't, uh, what I'm trying to say is that I'm giving them props because they could have easily have turned Lana into a love triangle or whatever. And they're not even trying that. I mean, I think based off of just everything, all the information that we've gotten about them as people, I don't think they would ever even go that route, which is a good thing. And plus, uh, I don't think it would ever work because Clark and Lois, they're married. And, and so it isn't like it's Lois and Clark dating like Lois and Clark, the, the 90s show, where maybe they couldn't, they could throw in a love triangle and that sort of thing, which, I mean, let's be real, they did many times. But um, yeah, I, I just love what they're doing with these characters on this show. It's, it's really nice. Um, okay, so let's talk about the end. We have Jordan, he's walking home, he has just hung out with his friend, Sarah, he's walking on a street near the woods, it's nighttime, and then whoosh, a super-powered person with super speed, super flight maybe, ends up grabbing him, throws him into the woods, um, and we see it's Tag, in a super-powered-y type of suit, uh, basically saying, what did you do to me? What did you do to me? And he ends up beating him in the face. And, uh, yeah. So there's that. Oh, okay. Well, clearly, I mean, I think we should say Jordan is going to survive this. <laughs> number one, I don't think this is the way he's going to die. <laughs> uh, number two, how does Tag know? Why does he even suspect 
that Jordan did anything to him. That's number two. Number three, Jordan was just taken away to that super metahuman school. How the hell, why did he escape? It, it, it seems so fast. Like, they moved this storyline really fast. Um, and, and so I'm, 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 like, stuck in a whirlwind because of this. Professor, what, what do you think any of this means? You know, the, uh, about the only thing that I didn't like about the episode is I didn't think we needed this stinger at the end. I, I mean, I kind of get it that you want to, uh, you know, especially because you're going into what would have been the midwinter break. This is like the, the shocking reveal. Yeah, the, the whole episode was so solid, so strong. And, and by the way, you, you had that great reveal uh, with, uh, with Captain Luthor. You didn't really need this. This was like putting a hat on a hat, I think. Um, as far as, you know, tag, uh, you know, he could have just escaped. Uh, you know, from this facility that it was at. Uh, as for knowing that uh, that Jordan was responsible for it, I don't know how he could know about that unless Sam Lane let something slip. Um, but I I can't imagine him doing that. So I don't know. It's it's uh, it's a bit of a mystery, and I get it. You want to have the mystery, uh, you know, uh, coming out here. Uh, but um, you know, it, it's possible that you know with tag coming back that might be the sort of thing that helps you know superman put two and two together that hey there was these strange crystals and this machine that gave someone kryptonian powers and then there's this kid who's doing this as well uh you know the the pieces might be there but yeah i just i didn't feel we needed it i thought it, it ended much stronger on the uh the luther reveal i agree and i know that you kind of forgave this because you were like we're going into a break but this was not a planned break uh, from what I've read, uh, this was a break that was forced because they had a COVID situation on the set, so they had to halt production. And uh, because they halted, I guess, for such a significant amount of time, that they needed uh, they needed a break as far as airing wise, so that they can catch up with the shows that uh, needed to be filmed and that sort of thing. So I, I don't know if this is how it was in the script, if they were ending it based off of just the promo for the next episode. It looks like we pick up here. So I think this was just the way they were going to end this episode, period, which seems hella rushed. As you said, it, it wasn't needed. Like we had a really great reveal at the end. We could have ended it, you know, with that, beautiful scene with Clark and Lois on the bench and the Luther reveal. And, and that would have been fine. We didn't need the stinger at the end. And to be quite honest, I don't know if we needed this stinger at the moment, period. I think we could have waited two or three additional episodes and then they could have done this stinger at the end of that episode. It seems a little rush and, um, it's funny because we have complimented the show so much about it not rushing stuff. And uh, and the stuff that we've complimented, it has been a good thing. This one, they could have dragged out just a tiny bit. It just seems weird to me that Tag would have been taken away in the previous episode, and all of a sudden he's back, and all of a sudden he has all this information. Um, the only thing that I can think of is that um, Jordan, not Jordan, Jonathan was kind of a little loose-lipped lippy uh, when he was with jordan um and they were fighting tag and jonathan was like no jordan did end up saying something aloud like it's my fault or something like that um and so maybe that's what tag heard um yeah i mean maybe jonathan let something slip when he was drunk maybe i don't know 
that I was worried about that too. Not even gonna lie to you. I thought when they were um, when Jonathan was approaching him, and I thought he was like, "Ooh, he's on his first day. Ooh, he's got powers or something." Thank God that they didn't go that route. Um, but yeah. Well, and even even in that, you know, again, getting back to the maturity of it, even you know, with the sort of you know the teasing of it, it, it wasn't malicious. You know, Jonathan, you know, uh, even though you know he did lash out at his parents in this, he's never malicious towards Jordan. You know, he's he's always there as his supporter. Even you know after his his scene where he blew up at his dad, in the very next scene, he's there, you know, supporting his brother. So you know. Um, I don't think Jonathan would do something like that. It would feel very out of character, even if they argue that he was drunk and he let it slip. So that would feel very wrong to me. Yeah. So I'm glad they didn't do that. Also, then the question would be, how did the, the guys that he was talking to get that message to tag who's, you know, locked away somewhere and yada, yada. Yeah. So I don't think it was that. I think they're, we're going to see a flashback to when tag was in pain. And, and I think Jordan was a little loose lip and he was like, it, this is my fault. And so maybe Tag heard that. It didn't seem like he would have heard that at the time, but maybe he did. And that's why he's assuming it's Jordan. Um, I have no idea what Jordan's going to say in the next episode. My hope is that he zips up his lip and is like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Um, yeah, because I, I don't feel like Tag, especially how he's reacting, is the type of person that should know Jordan's secrets. I'm just saying. All right, Professor, was there anything that I missed, a teeny tiny little moment that you would like to discuss before we head into the MVP? Well, a couple of little things with Lois that that made me question sort of a continuity issue. Uh, the first is when she's talking with uh, with Captain Luthor and she's talking about Lex Luthor and she basically says, you know, the, the only person worse than Morgan Edge. But in the crisis reboot, uh, Lex is a hero. So this would seem to imply that Lois had her memories of pre-crisis restored, but the kids are a crisis. So how would she have said to Clark, you know, I went through 27 hours of labor giving birth to them. You didn't. If she'd had her memory reset, it, it just struck me that it, that didn't quite work in the, uh, in the post-crisis world, because in the post-crisis thing, you know, uh, yeah, technically, you know, neither, Clark nor Lois was in the past. And, and one of the things we saw, you know, in that episode, you know, when they were picking it up was, you know, Lois was mentioning, you know, the twins. So, you know, we knew that that was the kids were essentially a crisis. Um, so the, the, the two things that Lois said didn't seem to jive with that. So it, it did strike me as a little weird because generally speaking, when, when people had their memories restored, um, it seemed like they remembered the way things were, but they didn't remember the new reality. Yes, that was something that I noticed as well, and uh, it has led to a lot of theories online where some people think that Superman and Lois takes place on a different Earth than the CW-verse Earth, and uh, I'm starting to buy that theory a little bit more with each episode. It's possible. Um, well, we'll see, I guess. They're on the Earth Cinematica, where everything looks cinematic. <laughs> because clearly the, shot in a slightly different aspect ratio. Yeah, because clearly the visual aesthetic is not the same as the other CW verse shows. So uh, it could be on its own Earth, um, which is a shame. Because we went through this whole thing to put them all on the same damn Earth. And... Uh, it looks like Superman and Lois might be its own sort of thing, 
which um, it's funny because we now have the parallel to Supergirl because Supergirl started off on CBS, not on the CW. So Supergirl was its own show on its own little thing. And then it got embraced when it moved over to the CW. We have the same situation with Black Lightning. Black Lightning was on its own earth, uh, its own doing its own thing as a show. And then, you know, the show got sucked into the CW-verse after Crisis. So it's, it's strange. It looks like Superman and Lois, it's doing its own thing. Which, you know, so far it's been good. But it, it would be nice to get at least a Cara Danvers reference. I've been bitching about that since the first episode. And well, it, remember, mm-hmm. because Supergirl has been off, you know, they're, they're out of sync. Um, also, you know, with the, the tag situation that you were talking about, the, the time, I think there has been some time passing just looking at the fact that we were in the Harvest Festival here. So theoretically, in terms of showtime, if the show had, you know, not been affected by COVID, it would have started in September and then the Harvest Festival would have been late October to November. So you probably would have had a couple of months. I think we can understand that, you know, in, in terms of, you know, trying out for the team, getting on the team and, and all of that other stuff. I think we can probably assume that a couple of months uh, of time has passed. You know, they've at least gotten to the stage where they're, you know, bringing in the uh, the harvest. No, true. But Tag was just taken away in the previous episode. So it's just a little strange that he shows up in the next episode to be like, hey. Was it just last episode? I it, it was a couple of episodes ago. Wasn't it just last episode? Or was it two episodes ago? I feel like it was just last episode. Yeah. Anyway, whatever they're doing, we'll see what happens uh, when the show they returns. They weren't able to handle his, uh, his, his power level or something like that. Exactly. All right, well, now it is time for the MVP, the most valuable player. Stay which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Professor, who is your MVP and why? Well, Jeff, I'm going to do something that may be unprecedented in the proud 10-year history of Poppy Chula Radio. I'm giving it to the entire cast of Superman and Lois. There was not a bad performance in the lot. Everyone, the small characters, the secondary characters, our leads were spectacular as always. The teens were spectacular as always. Everyone was good. You know, it it would be easier for me to find, you know, I could maybe find one or two weak performances and give them the reverse MVP, the Bizarro MVP. But everyone was knocking it out of the park. You know, subtlety, great. I actually went through and watched again to see who the casting director was because, wow, whoever put these people in, this does not feel like the fifth episode. We are only five episodes in and these are already tremendously nuanced, well-rounded characters. Um, Whoever cast these people did a phenomenal job. They are all spectacular, particularly in this episode. Well, damn. Well, that leaves nobody for me to choose, but that means I can co-sign and say that I'll give it to the entire cast as well. Everyone was really good, so I I co-sign 100%. So now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 red capes? The point system is loud. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the Fortress of Solitude. Professor? I'm sure this will come as no surprise. I am archiving this. It was just tremendous. I mean, easily the best episode uh, of the series so far. I think probably the the best episode of, uh, of the Arrowverse that we've gotten so far this season. Uh, incredibly moving, well-acted, uh, some great plot twists uh, and developments. But as I say, it's just it's such a, a grown up, mature uh, adult take on not just people flying around in tights, but raising kids and, you know, kids feeling stifled. And, you know, the flashbacks worked tremendously. This was just such uh, a great episode. Hold, absolutely held up for a second viewing. Uh, it's uh, it was so, so very good. 
I'm kind of shocked and impressed. I, I was thinking leaning towards a 10, but uh, I will bump it up because it was really good. I'll give it uh, the archive as well. It was such a heartwarming, well-rounded, well-acted, and beautifully shot episode. Um, I loved the twists and turns. I was on the edge of my seat for a lot of it. Um, it clearly set things up to get the entire uh, you know, viewing audience uh, theorizing about what's really going on with Morgan Edge. Um, it certainly has me thinking of uh, where they're going to go with Captain Luther. We're on opposing sides, which is fine. Someone's going to be right. Uh, stay tuned, listeners. But yeah, it, it was a fantastic hour of TV. So on that note... Join us next time for a brand new installment of the Smallville Gazette. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Smallville Gazette and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, Smallville. I can't believe we have to wait, what, six, seven weeks until we can do this again? Ah! I know, right? Thanks for tuning in. As the professor alluded to, programming notes, Superman and Lois uh, will return in a little less than two months. It is a a seven-week break, so uh, we will be back when the show returns. And uh, don't forget, you you may download new episodes of the Smallville Gazette every Thursday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. Good night.